I'm just, I just almost need to pause myself for a moment and just kind of sit in, in the power of that song, those lines. And there's nothing that stands between us, right? And we'll count every joy, right? Because we know that's where he's going to be. Man, that is so, so good and so powerful. So hey, I want to add my, my welcome uh, to uh, Pastor Ken's. Uh, my name is Seth. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Salem. We are super glad that you guys are with us uh, this morning. So uh, if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, I would love uh, the opportunity to meet you guys afterwards. Um, just COVID safe and COVID friendly. We're trying to be cautious and protective, but as I'm sure uh, you are too. So um, yesterday, uh, my wife uh, and daughter and I got the privilege, uh, just really the, just the enjoyment, to, to go and be outside and play a, a game that is native to, to this land, and that is hockey. And, uh, and, and if you know anything about my story, I am the furthest thing from a hockey player. In fact, I think I remarked before we went, when we were invited, and, and I said, I just want you to know, the last time I played hockey, I had to go to the emergency room. So... Um, so that was kind of my past, and so I always enter into that a little, a little leery, a little cautious, right? Because I'm just not good. Like I can't stop very well, um, and uh, and you know it's really it's an embarrassing thing for me because there's like five year olds like skating around me and, and like going through my legs practically, you know, taking the puck, and and here I am just barely trying to stay up on the ice. And so, but it was so much fun. And and gosh, can I tell you, in such in, in light of a long year, right? Community has been so hard for us this year. In fact, there are churches around the country that are all dealing with the same problem. Like, how do we do community in the midst of COVID, right? The ways that we used to do it are really the, the, the primary areas in which, you know, uh, there are these boundaries that we can't, that we can't really break through. Um, and so it's just been really hard. And so it was really, 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 really good for us to be out together. And as I thought about community in the midst of this whole year, um, one commercial came to my mind. And I wish I could show it to you, um, but because of copyright reasons, we can't. So it's a Coca-Cola commercial, uh, and it came out kind of at the beginning or sometime in COVID. And, uh, and so I, I will not do this justice, but just kind of pretend with me, okay? Because as, the, as the, this commercial opens, you have all these these. these people, and it's not crowds, it's these tiny little groups of people that they keep cutting in between these scenes, and, and really what they end up doing is that they're, they're cooking food and eating food and laughing together. And in the line, the first narration of this, uh, of this commercial is this, the day that the world stopped was the day we knew where to go. The day that the world stopped is the day that we knew where to go. And just remember, like Coca-Cola, right? It's not talking to Christians. It's not talking to Salem. It's talking to the, the, the larger American culture, right? And so there's something that, like, it's implying that there is something in the American rhythm, whether it was busyness or stress or, or whatever it is that they are addressing, and maybe all under one, that there's something that's off in our lifestyles, right, in the culture of our lifestyles. And so the day that the world stopped was actually the day that we knew where we needed to go. And we've been in this series called Cave Table Road, right? Cave plus table uh, plus road, right? And so this morning, we're going to be talking about the table. But, but just as a, just a kind of a re, re, like a re, 
recap here, CTR, or Cave Table Road, um, really is designed for us to help us see our, our mission statement come to life, where we can put real-life practical rhythms uh, in the midst of this mission statement and that we can begin to see those things worked out in our life. Like, this is who we are. This is who we are supposed to to be, and we want to celebrate, ultimately, really, who God has called us to be uh, in, this, in this geographic setting, and in this point in history, we want to celebrate who it is that God has designed us to be. And so table uh, this morning is kind of part two, right? So the last kind of couple weeks, we've been in the cave, which is really this authentic conversation between me and my creator, right? Between me and Jesus, between me uh, and God. But what we know, or what we saw last week, is that what starts in the cave can't stay in the cave. What starts in the cave needs to go somewhere else. And the most natural place for, for what happens in that cave time, the most natural place for that to go next is into this, this table community, which really is what I would call um, our family uh, and our friends, right? These are the people that we are intentionally inviting into our lives. And let me just be clear, because I am, I am susceptible to this just because I live with people or have friends that I do life with does not mean that I am being intentional with those friendships. Sometimes we just end up doing life together in the midst of the old rhythms of life, and there's this need for me to be intentional. So when I think about this Coca-Cola commercial, uh, as the Coca-Cola commercial like unfolds, really like these people are cooking and, and they're eating and they're laughing together. And here's some other lines from this commercial. I love this. One says, uh, lost together, we discovered ourselves again. Lost together, we discovered ourselves again. And then they said that we realized that the things that matter deserve time, right? The things that matter in this life deserve lots of time. And then they go on and they say, from now on, we're not going to leave anything on our plates because we've learned to savor the moments that were always there. Isn't that so good? It's like, man, like, like we're so busy in this life, and yet somehow COVID, like one positive is that there's these, been these moments in our lives that maybe we have missed, these table time moments, and that's really what this commercial is pointing us to. Now, it's Coca-Cola, and so it's a marketing scheme, and they want you to drink Coke with everything, and so they end their commercial with the line, together tastes better. <laughs> together tastes better, but really what we're talking about is Table time. And so, so here we are in, in the second part talking about community with our family and with our uh, friends, right? And so really the table starts with food. It starts with eating. It starts with cooking and, and eating and laughing together. But the table is really so much more than that. So I would say that the table is a place where uh, first we are stirred by the scriptures, okay? Uh, and that really actually is an overflow of our cave time. And so if I'm having authentic conversation with God, guess what? The most natural thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to go talk about it with the people that God has given me to do life with. And so then we open up God's word and we talk about it together. And the second one uh, is serving one another. And Ken is actually going to talk about this this next week as he gets into the, the one anothering aspect of community. Okay? And this morning, we're going to talk about struggling well, this last one. 
to struggle well with life. Now, here's the deal. When I think about struggle, when I think about that word, we need to be clear that every single person in this room has their own struggle. So, so when somebody comes and talks to me and says, Seth, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? What I most naturally do is I think about the areas of my life where I'm not struggling. And then I say, you know what? I'm actually doing pretty good. And then I can suppress and I can dilute all of the other stuff that's in my life. And so it's easy for me to focus on that. But the reality is, is that at any single given moment, I have a wide variety of things in my heart and, and in my life, in my soul, that I'm just like, ugh, I'm just struggling with. And the same, I think, is true for every single person in this room. And so it's, it's fair, I think, for us is that we enter into these doors sometimes and, um, and people say, how are you doing? And we go, whoop, and we put masks right up. Like, I don't know how many times my wife and I have had an argument in the car, right? It's, that's for, it's for us. Arguments always start in the car. So we should just not ride together. I don't know why that is. But we always have arguments in the car and then we get to wherever we're going and whoop, <laughs> right? Because we don't want people to see the mess that's underneath. And the reality is, is that we all have that. So we all struggle. But to struggle well something, is something that very few people do. And to struggle well is really this idea of me being able to point myself or any other person at any given moment to Jesus. And so I could come straight out of that argument, out of the car, and to struggle well would be if we were to enter into somebody's home for dinner and they're struggling, we could talk together about Jesus because he's the focus in Christian community, not pretending to have it all together, right? And so this morning, we're going to be in a really uh, familiar passage. Uh, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, and so if you want to grab your Bibles and go ahead and turn there, um, we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit, okay? So, but to provide a little context for us, because we haven't been in this letter um, up until now, so a little context, uh, at the beginning of chapter 5, Paul has made this argument around freedom, really saying that, that we have, as believers, as followers of Jesus, freedom um, from, uh, from sin, okay? So we have this freedom from the law. But here, Paul's actually going to shift his argument in verse 13. He's going to shift. He's going to keep the same theme of freedom, but he's going to shift it to really how do we use that freedom? How do we use that in our life? I'm free from sin. I'm free from the law, but how does that practically get lived out in the midst of our table, in the midst of our community of those people um, around us, okay? So I want to read these verses 13 to 15 just to give us this context, okay? So he says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in really this one word, this one phrase, right? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Okay, so as we think about this context, right? Like, we have been given this new identity, this new freedom in Jesus, uh, and we are designed in this new identity to fulfill the law in this one word, this one phrase, which is to what? Love and to serve one another. But if the flesh, when the flesh enters into this conversation, if the flesh has its way, what is it going to do? It's going to bite and 
devour. Now, we, we went through this phase with Eden where there's a biting phase, right? It was short, thankfully, but I can tell you it's not fun. <laughs> so here's my question for you. When you think about your table, if you have loving and serving and you have biting and devouring, which table would you rather sit at? Would you rather sit at the table where you bite and devour food <laughs> in the way that you're supposed to, or would you rather sit at the table where people bite and devour each other? <laughs> right? That's kind of this almost spiritual cannibalism. It's, it's a little weird, right? And yet we go, gosh, well, I know that the one is way better than the other. And so, gosh, we go, I want some of that. And so what Paul does here in, this, in our next verses, starting in 16, is he's going to un- unpack this a little bit, but he's going to bring to the forefront, as the front and center of his argument about relationships, he's going to bring this person, the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know much about the Holy Spirit, the, we believe that, that you have God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, who um, are Co, um, co-equal, um, really together, uh, eternally divine together, and they exist in harmonious relationship. And each of them has a unique um, personality and therefore a unique role. And the Holy Spirit has a unique role in our lives. And so here Paul's going to kind of unpack a little bit about that. And so here's what he says in verse 16. Here's where we start. He says, but I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, let's, let's just pause here for a moment, and let's look at this, this first word um, highlighted. It's the word walk, because if we push pause, we could take a small journey back in time all the way to this summer when we were in Exodus in this series called YHWH, which stands for the Lord's personal name, Yahweh. And if you remember, we led all the way up to in chapter 20 when he gives them the law. But a couple chapters earlier in chapter 18, what God says to Moses is, I'm going to give you the law so that you can teach people how to walk. And the word in Hebrew is the word halak, and it really references this entire manner of living. Like my entire lifestyle is comprehensive. Everything about my life goes into that word to walk. But then we went from that series to the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus unpacks his entire interpretation of the law. And so really, the entire Sermon on the Mount is his way of saying, I want to teach you how to walk. I want to show you the manner of life and the way in which you are designed to walk in this new kingdom. And so then all of a sudden we get to Galatians 5, so we've gone from Old Testament to a a gospel and now to an epistle, to a letter, and Paul uses the same word. And so all of a sudden I go, gosh, okay, so Cave Table Road, as I begin to think through, as I begin to think through this, and especially kind of coming out of COVID, I need to ask myself this question. And I, and I would say, ask yourselves this question, God, is there something in my life that you need to show me about the manner of life in which I am walking and following Jesus coming out of COVID? What was it like before? And, and what does it need to be now? Because there's been this theme from, from Yahweh to Jesus and now to Paul, this exact same theme that we need to wrestle with and go, gosh, okay, God, what is it that I need to see about my manner of life and the way in which I am walking with Jesus, okay? And then he says, the result here, though, right, is if we walk by the Spirit, 
and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, so this word flesh is kind of a weird word, right? And so Paul uses it a whole bunch of different ways. Um, and sometimes he refers to it just as the body, like the, the, the bone and muscle and sinew. Like, and I think, though, that sometimes when we think of flesh and we think about sin, we kind of we get these ideas mixed up a little bit, and that's not actually present in Scripture. And so we think about sinful nature versus the flesh, because really Paul is talking not about my body, He's talking about the sinful nature that is inside of me. That's what he's calling the flesh. But me, uh, and I see this so many times in people, is that so often we feel like if we could just like shed our body, if we could shed all of this and take it off and exist kind of as a soul, then everything would be peachy because we, we get this idea that somehow sin is ingrained into my body. But it's really it's the sinful nature inside of me and my body is the vessel for that and it does sin, but my body in and of itself is actually really, really good. It's the way that God designed it to. So my body isn't the problem. It's not the body flesh. It is my sinful nature, flesh, underneath all of that. And then here's what Paul says in verse 17. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and then the other is also true, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. And I want you to notice for a second um, that it doesn't say that the flesh um, sets its desire, like the sinful nature, it doesn't set its desire on an object. It doesn't say, gosh, like if I only had um, that car or that home or if I had that wife or that husband or that boyfriend or that girlfriend. It doesn't say it sets it on an object. It says that the flesh is against not what, but who? The spirit, right? And so really it's talking about this idea that these two people are opposed. And so really the flesh is like, it's less to do about anything in this world, right? It's not about a specific object. It's really that whatever the spirit wants to do in your life, the flesh wants to do the opposite. And it's going to grab and cling to and hold on to whatever it can, whatever that is. And whatever your deepest desire is, it's going to go for that because that's against to, against the spirit. In fact, the word um, is also in there is the word opposed. Now, I have these two magnets. Now, when I think uh, of magnets, I think this is a good illustration of what's happening in this text. Because when magnets are put the right way, what do they do? They cling to each other. But when they're the opposite, what do they do? They fight each other. Like, they are opposed to each other. And that's the nature of the spirit and the flesh inside of us. It's like this powerful magnetic force, and I'm just the vessel, right? There's my flesh, and there's the spirit inside of me, and they're constantly pushing against each other. I really wanted really big, massive magnets, but these will have to work, right? Like, they push, and they push against each other. But then the text says this, it says, so that, right, you will not do the things that you want to do. It will keep you from doing the things that you want to do. This is the reason why they are opposed to each other, because the Spirit says everything that the flesh wants you to do is really not what you should be doing. And the flesh says whatever the Spirit wants you to do is not what you should be doing, right? And so there's these magnets. And I think, though, as humans, what we end up doing sometimes is that the flesh is trying really hard to convince us that if we could just, eh, just, just maneuver that magnet a little bit, that gosh, guess what? I can have the best of both worlds. 
Like they could be together, right? And, I, and my, my, my sinful nature can coexist in harmonious relationship with my spiritual nature. And it's a fundamental, it's an inherently, intrinsically fundamental flaw about humans is that we think that we can have our cake and eat it too. We do, right? Like, so, like, we have this birthday cake, and we get it, and we go, man, that is beautiful, I want to save, save it, and so let's just, let's, like, leave it. But then I go, but I want to eat it, <laughs> right? But the problem is, if I eat it, then it's no longer there. And yet, so that you see this, this contradiction, is that the two are always, they don't work together, ever. They are always, and always, and always opposed to each other, right? That's the, that's this battle that's happening in, inside of us. But here's the good news is what Paul says in this next verse, right? He says this. He says, but here's the good news. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And really what he's just saying is, gosh, if there is this constant, um, if there's a constant uh, reliance on the Holy Spirit in your life, you are not going um, to be under the power of the law, okay? You're not subject to the law's power. When I was in seminary, um, I had a roommate whose name was Brandon, and Brandon uh, one day came home. We lived in this tiny little parsonage, um, which was filled with seven people, which led to lots of conflict, but lots of joy, so that's another story. Um, but Brandon came home one day in this massive brace, and we said, hey, Brandon, like, what's going on? Like, wh- what happened in your life? Like, like, what led you to this position? And he goes, well, I, guys, I think I tore my ACL. And we're like, man, well, okay, shoot, like, what, what did the doctor say? He goes, well, I don't, I don't have insurance, and I don't have money, so I can't go see. And, I, and my, my response is, well, hey, I'm in seminary. I don't have money. If I had money, I would give it to you to go see the doctor, but I can't give you my insurance, so like, we're kind of at an impasse. And so what he had to do is that he, had, he just hobbled around like, with crutches and, and this knee brace literally for like six to nine months. That's, he just, just let it be. And finally, he saved up enough money to go to the doctor. And so he goes, and I don't know where he went, and this story still baffles me to this day, but he went to some place, um, and he got into this little doctor's room, and he sat down, and the doctor walks in, and if you're a doctor, I apologize, this is, this is not meant to like, offend you, but this guy comes in, and he has the full white robe, he has the stethoscope, he has his name, he has all of those things. He sits down, and he goes, well, Brandon, I, why are you here? How can I help you? And Brandon's response is, well, I think I tore my ACL. And then, I kid you not, the, the doctor looks at him and goes, yeah, I've heard the term. Yellow flag number one, right? Yellow flag number one. So then what happens? And you think, well, maybe he's just pulling my leg. Nope, he turns around in his chair to his computer and then wikipedia ACL. And you go, you should be running for your life. If you could run, <laughs> that's kind of funny. If you could run, you should be running for your life. Like, like, we need to diagnose these issues. We need proper diagnosis of what's actually happening. And when I think about God, right, like God knows, like God doesn't look at us and if he goes, Seth, what's going on in your life? Why are you struggling? And I go, well, God, here's what I'm struggling. And he, it's not like he looks at me and says, uh, yeah, I've heard the term. You know, like he knows exactly what's happening in my life. He knows exactly the depth of all of that struggle, and he can identify it very, very specifically. Seth, if you only knew the problem. And so then the question is, do I 
understand the problem. Do I know? And so here's what I want you to see. This, this next slide is this, is that when we're talking about being authentic, right, authentic conversation and struggling well. So to be authentic in my struggles, I need to be specific about my struggles, okay? So Here's the deal. Um, we're going to look at this next verse really fast, and then we're going to try something new here. Um, it says, Paul's going to give us this list, kind of a generic list um, of possible things in this life that we may struggle with. Okay? It's a possible list. And he starts with this. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Okay, so like I said, we're going to try something new here. Okay? So we're going to come over here. Right? The works of the flesh are evidence. And you can see this, right? The works right there, and we'll talk about the works here in a second. Really, the works just means this, is that what the flesh can do and what it produces can really only do one thing. It's just this natural byproduct, okay? Now, when I think, um, actually, I need to get my, my green marker here for, for a moment. And you can put me back up here, yep. So in order to talk about this, we're going to draw this tree. Okay? So here we've got this tree. And the first three things, we're going to, these kind of represent kind of the fruit, so to speak, of the flesh. Okay? And let's just talk about these. The first three things that Paul references, let's go back to our slides. And the first one uh, is this. Now these three are, are really kind of revolve around uh, sexual things in nature. And the first one is he says uh, sexual immorality. This is a possible struggle, right? It's really this specific form uh, of impurity. Okay? And the next one is, is this. He says it's impurity. Well, we just shift from a specific form to a general form. Uh, of impurity, okay? Um, but, but when you stop there for a second, if you think about those, if you ever think about, gosh, like there's this struggle in my life, and, um, and go, this is actually pretty prevalent in today's culture, right? Both of those two things, whether it's specific or general, can be very much hidden in our lives, right? Like we could do, we can cover that with a mask very, very quickly. But this third one, what he says is this third one is sensuality. Now sensuality is unhidden because really what it refers to is kind of like this man on a rampage, right? It's just like I am out there and I am all in on what the world has to offer, okay? Now I should take a step back and say that, that when we look at this list, it's a possible list, he says that these are the works of the flesh, but he says that they are evidence. And why are they evident? They are evident because this is, these are things that the Galatian culture would have naturally been wrestling with. Like, these are things in their culture that they would have heard it and go, yep, 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 we got that, we got that, we got that, okay? So, we got those three, but then we're going to come back up here, and we've got two more, right? He's going to talk about two more different kinds of fruits, and, and we'll check these out. These other ones um, are really kind of spiritual in nature. So the first one is idolatry, right? Idolatry is open recognition, really just of other gods, right? It's the subversive relationship between us and our creator. And it can be really big things. It can be really small things. It can be um, um, pronounced or unpronounced. It can be painful or not painful. But really, it's anything that we would focus on that takes the place of, of, of God in our lives, right? Which could be the Bible, it could be food, it could be sex, it could be money, it could be Xbox, it could be school, whatever. Like, it could be any of those things. It could be my job. So, here's the next one. 
is sorcery. This, this is a little bit more open, right? It's not quite as hidden, and this really just refers to the secret tampering uh, with the powers of evil. And then we go, okay, so this was evident in their culture. Maybe that's evident in our culture to a degree, but, but it is becoming more pronounced. Like, all you really have to do is, is think about the amount of horror movies on Netflix, all those types of things, right, that promote it. Even if I'm not doing it or engaging it, like, I am sensing and seeing and feeling some of these things, right? Okay. And then he goes through and he does eight more, okay? So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, okay? So he, he lists eight more possible struggles, and it starts with this, enmity, right? Enmity is a general expression uh, against God's love. We're going to go through these rather quick, okay? Against God's agape. Next one. Um, strife. This is where there's anger or bitter disagreement, like, over issues, okay? You're going to see how these escalate a, bit, a little bit. This next one turns into jealousy, where there's this rivalry of self-assertion, right? Like, I, I want to make myself known. Uh, the next one is this fits of anger, right? It continues uh, to escalate, and so maybe this jealousy doesn't quite, like, encapture everything, and so I have these, these moments, this outward manifestation of these internal wrath pieces, okay? Uh, and then there's rivalries, which is the canvassing of disruptive information. So it's like behind the scenes. I go, here's what I have. Here's the information that I have. And so what do I do is I go and I pass it along to people with the intention of creating this next one, right, which is dissensions. And so what happens then is we end up standing apart from each other, right? And we are cautious and leery of one another because of maybe what has been heard. And then, which ultimately leads to divisions, right, where the hostility kind of reaches this point of separation. And we can see this in our world, right, in our national politics, right? There's a lot of division, a lot of the works of the flesh happening in this world right now. But it's interesting when we look at this, and then the, the list actually kind of ends with this next one, which is envy. And we go, gosh, like, so is that the, the, the capstone of this list? is envy. So this, this, all, this, all this stuff that's led up to this point, it's really this, there's this selfish, fleshful nature that says that I want to deprive another person of what he has. Right? And these are the works, uh, works of uh, the flesh. Okay? Um, but then there's, there's two more, last two, last two that he puts on, okay? And these are um, in regards to alcohol, okay? So he says this. Uh, one is drunkenness, okay? Uh, and drunkenness is just kind of that which it is, right? Just an excessive amount uh, of alcohol. And the last one is titled uh, orgies, which is actually probably a little misleading, but really the word here means um, like drinking parties. And so we have these parties. The Galatians would have these parties at night where they would get together, drink lots of alcohol together, uh, and then when that happens, it creates kind of this handsy, feely, touchy, type of environment, right, which is where we get the word uh, orgies, okay? So, um, so when we look at this, we go, we go back to verse 19. If we remember, like, the works of the flesh are evident. They're evident to the Galatian people uh, because they are things that they would have wrestled with, okay? Um, but here's what's unique is that he ends this entire list with this last point, and he says, and things like these, <laughs> Because this, this list isn't exhaustive. Like the struggle list, this is an incomplete struggle list. And so here's would be my question to you is 
what would you add to this list? If we had time, which we don't, I would just say, hey, shout out some things. But we could add things from our culture to this list, couldn't we? These, these things of struggling. And this is how Paul ends. He gives this warning at the end, and here's what he says. Oh, we're cutting in and out here. The warning that he gives is that against such, or excuse me, um, the pra- who, those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God, okay? So, let's, let's begin to wrap this up, and as we come over here, what Paul does is that he goes, I want, I want you to know that there is another way. And as we look at this, he gives this list, this fruit of the Spirit, right? That's what he calls it, the fruit of the Spirit. And so we see this contrast, right? You have the works of the flesh, flesh, which just means this is all it can do. This is all it can naturally do. And yet here we have the fruit, which is a totally different word. And it's really this idea, right, that this is the, this is the good stuff that is produced when the Holy Spirit has His way in my life, when I'm walking according to the Spirit. And it lists off these nine different qualities, right? Five, six, seven, eight, Nine. He says there are nine qualities that the Spirit can produce in us. And let's just read these. Let's look at this, right? And we, we probably know these, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know what I love about this list is that when we look at this tree, as you look at, like, look at the amount of struggle on this list, and then we go, and there's this simple list over here. These need lots of explanation. Guess what? These don't because they're so simple, and we crave them. We want them. By the way, one of the things I love about this is I memorize this because when I'm in my car and if I get frustrated, one of the first things I've done to train myself in these moments is to repeat this verse, and I say, okay, the fruit of the Spirit is love. <laughs> And I usually have to, I can usually just stop there, right? Because I'll go, wow, okay, so like what I'm doing and the way I'm acting and behaving, right? The way I want to like cut you back off, like all those things, that's not loving, right? And it calms me in this moment. And then I continue, right? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, right? And self-control. And all of a sudden we go, man, like this list is what I crave and it's what I long for. And so then Paul gives this final warning, although it's a good warning, you know, it's kind of like, gosh, if you, if you want goodness in your life, guess what? Here's what he says. He says, Against these types of things, there is no law. Against such things, there is no law. Why? Because these are the characteristics of God that the Spirit enables in us. You see, the the law is meant to to restrain and to say, gosh, we, we should minimize this stuff. But this stuff, you can have as much of it as you want. And practice it all the time, as much as you want. Go, 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 go. Like stop, stop, stop. Go, 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 go. You see the difference? Right? There's good things in life that the Spirit enables. And so as I look at this list, I go, gosh, like I can either sit at this table where we are ultimately going to bite and devour each other. Do you see how this would lead, lead to biting and devouring? Right? Or I can sit at this table where we will love and serve each other. You see how the table works in here, right? Sin doesn't happen in a vacuum, nor does righteousness happen in a vacuum. It is designed to be an overflow into our community, into this table, table space. And so here's how I want to wrap up this, 
is that when you think about this, I want, like, I want us to be really practical in this moment and just end with something that's really helpful for me to process the, the difference between this and this. And so um, I want you to think over on this side, gosh, which one of these do I identify with most? If I could identify an area of struggle in my life, which, by the way, Paul assumes that we have struggle. If I could identify an area of struggle in my life, which one would it be? And maybe it could be all of them, but which one rises to the top? And so identify that, and I want you to kind of think about then moving down to this idea of confessing. Like, I need to confess this, that this struggle is actually real, and it's actually deep inside of me. So I identify it, and then I confess it. But here's what's neat about this, as I come down even to the bottom, right? We're talking about the roots of this tree. Like, at the very bottom, beneath all of this stuff, is where does, where does the, the flesh get its power? One of the areas that the flesh gets its power is that underneath, oops, that kind of looks like a, there we go, is that underneath every sin in my life is a lie that I believe about God. And so whether maybe it's fits of anger, maybe I have fits of anger in my life, what's the lie that I believe? Maybe I believe um, that, that God isn't just and therefore I need to be angry on behalf of God right? And so maybe there's that or whatever it is for you, but then if we were to cross over and come all the way over to this side, what we would see is that there's a truth that I need to believe about who God is. And as I come to understand what that truth is, guess what? I begin to confess that truth, both to God and in the community of people that I live in. And then I have this desired fruit, right, that I really want to experience. Do you see how these things work together? Right? It's a super helpful and practical way for me to understand right, a little bit about what's happening in my life. And guys, here's the truth, is that all of us struggle. Every single one of us has a struggle in our life. That's not the issue. The issue is whether I can identify it and, and how I'm inviting the Spirit into that conversation to help me. But really, the primary way is if we think about all of this, the Spirit enables it, but this entire thing is in the context of relationships because that's where Paul has his focus. This is all table space. Guys, in the flesh would have us stay right here the entire, entire life. But the Spirit says, I want to produce this inside of you. Okay, let's just wrap up with, um, with these last two slides. Here we go. To be authentic in my struggles, I need to be specific about my struggles. And so I encourage you in this process to identify what is really what that struggle is in your life. And the next one is to begin to confess that struggle uh, and to be authentic. This is where authenticity moves in. And we confess in, in a group of people with these people, these family and friends around us. And the last one is that we identify what we ultimately need to believe is true about who God is, right? Okay, let's just end. Um, oops, sorry, I keep going. Yep. Um, and I just want to encourage you that wherever you're at on this, on this tree, 
And maybe you've got a lot of stuff over here, and I go, that's great, man. You need to jump into the lives of other people. But maybe you're like me, and you have things over here, uh, and you have a lot of guilt, and you have a lot of shame in your life. And if that's true, if that's you, what I want you to know is that guilt needs forgiveness, and shame needs acceptance. And guys, ultimately, all of that is found in the cross, right? All the forgiveness I need, all of the acceptance I could ever want and need is right there. I want to invite the worship team uh, to come on up, and we're going to sing a song, but I, while they're coming up, let's wrestle with these questions. And the first one is just this question of like, who is at your table, right? These, these family and friends piece, right? And maybe the question is, is who do you want? Who do you really want to be at your table that's not at your table? And I get it, guys, that we're in a difficult season, a difficult year. It's been really hard for community, and so we're not fully there yet. And even as a church, we're struggling. How do we promote table time? But we want you to know, don't give up. <laughs> we're moving this direction, and we want to encourage you to embrace in whatever way you can in this moment your table time, your community. And then you have the second question, which is, really down here, like what lies have you been believing about God? Okay, and then this last question, and we'll leave this up, and the last question is, who do you need to start sharing with, right? This is the stuff, be authentic, inviting people into your cave time and to your struggles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we, as we end our time with a song, as we're going to enter into this, this, this last moment, I, I, I guess this image in my mind as I'm thinking about this is that so, so oftentimes we think about song as worship, and yet there is this, this bigger reality that, that my life is worship. And we happen to do that at church uh, in, in words and through song and through all those types of things, but that when we leave this place, there's a whole new level and perhaps even greater place playing field for where we worship you with our very lives. And so, Lord, this morning, as we sing this, may we rejoice wholly in who you are. May we see the cross front and center for who Jesus is and what he accomplished for us, all of that, that, that guilt that needs forgiveness, all of that shame that needs acceptance, and that we would, in the midst of our struggle, begin to, to not hide it and to, to run away from it, but to embrace, to embrace some of those things that are deep inside and that we would move towards each other, that we would engage you in this authentic cave time. But as we come out of that in intentional ways, that it wouldn't stop there, it would move into our family and our friends, and we would engage, engage you, engage each other in new ways, that we would find community, that we would find all the forgiveness and all the acceptance that we could ever need. And so, Lord, this morning, we end with this time of worship. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen.